Dr Sandy Adset is one of the most significant and respected Māori artists and art teachers of his generation. Now, finally, the Arts Foundation icon has agreed to a retrospective exhibition embracing his six decades of painting practice. It took the persuasive skills of one of his past students, Ruben Friend, now an art historian, curator and director of Pātaka in Porirua, to get Sandy to say yes to the show, which is called Toi Kōru. Now in his 80s, Dr Adset is the principal tutor at Toi Mairangi School of Māori Art in Hawke's Bay. And he's also made time to create a new series of brightly coloured paintings for the survey show. We have a big gallery of photos of Sandy and his art on our webpage, rnz.co.nz slash standingroomonly. I spoke to him and to Ruben, who explains Sandy's significant, if underappreciated, contribution to contemporary Māori art. As an artist, he really was at the forefront of contemporary um, New Zealand painting. When I say New Zealand painting, I don't mean beginning from the arrival of Western art history here. I mean that longer history of painting in Aotearoa. Um, so a lot of his artworks engage with long histories of, of really avant-garde painting from the 1800s um, on the East Coast from houses uh, like Rungopai out in Gisborne um, and Sandy's own house, uh, Tehuki and Hineringa from uh, out in Raupunga. Um, and there, there were these amazing painted images in Aotearoa that would still hold up in an art gallery today. That's the history that AdSat's work has engaged with and then flowed through and influenced so many other artists um, of my generation and even previous generations and future generations. Um, and so in terms of art, that's what this exhibition, Toi Kuru Sandy Adset, um, out at Pātaka uh, on 31st of July, is about, is about um, acknowledging his art practice and giving a platform where we can celebrate his work. And the second part of your question, as a teacher, it's a fun opportunity for us to acknowledge Sandy and for a lot of us who have, um, like myself, studied with him in the past to... Um, so we've got an exhibition called Ahi Toi with about 25 uh, past students from Toi Haukura and Toi Mairangi, um, schools of art that Sandy ran, or has and is still running actually, um, and another show called Wero by an artist named Victor Te Pa. Um, so it's a bit of a bit of a get-together, a bit of a party for all of us as well, as well as a celebration of Sandy. Sandy, we've waited a very, very long time for this retrospective. You have not had a lot of solo exhibitions in your lifetime. I think this may be the third. So what does it mean yeah. to you to have a retrospective? If it wasn't for Ruben coming in and cheekily asking me, could he do a retrospective, was anybody else I told, I would have said no. Because I've only had two um, solo exhibitions and they were a requirement for when I did my master's. I had to do it. So previous to that, as most of our artists did during that time of the 60s when we were exploring um, our own art forms and relating, you know, previous to engaging in Māori art in schools, the type of art I did, I was painting portraits and scenes. So um, during that time, when we were getting together as a group 
we began by saying if anyone was going to have a, an exhibition anywhere and they wanted support, we would support it. And so all those initial years, that's what we did. We only ever exhibited at our gather own gatherings. And it wasn't until I think it was Teowamutu one year and uh, one of the other galleries, you know, the main galleries, saw the work and said they would like to have an exhibition of contemporary Māori art. But then they put stipulations down and we didn't really agree with it. Yeah, they were going to select the work and we said, no, if we put work up, uh, what we send in is what we want to have because we respect each other and the money that uh, the artwork that is put into these exhibitions. So during over the years, I've just became an exhibitor that way. I just joined in with our own art groups. I didn't look to have solo exhibitions. Too much hard work anyway. <laughs> but what a wonderful, I mean, you get, you're giving us a sense of whānau, that you were in this together, artists together. You had each other's yes. backs. It must have been such an exciting time, though. Oh, well, it was exciting because we just loved hanging out together. It was an opportunity, you know, and um, there were writers, you know, the, and performing artists, so the... The gatherings, as we called them, our hui, was a time that we didn't want to miss because it was, wasn't was just a fun time, but it was a time where we knew something was happening, but we didn't know the extent to which it would eventually venture to. Ruben, you have something like six decades worth of work to choose from with Sandy's work. So how on earth did you start? You know, what will we see? Initially, we went out to all of the museums. So we started at Papa Auckland Art Gallery. Um, the Dows has some amazing works in the collection. Pataka, of course, has some um, amazing paintings of Sandy. Uh, Waikato University, Parliament. It was quite fun, actually, kind of going through all these archives and finding what was out there. And then one day, uh, one of Sandy's nieces had the brilliant idea to just put it on Facebook. Um, so we did, and then just got inundated. I didn't know about that. It was a great idea. She might oh, not claim it, but she mentioned it when we were at your house. So I did it. <laughs> <laughs> and we had all these people yeah. from all around the world. It was pretty amazing. But also the auction houses. There's been a lot of work that has gone around the world. Um, and so we weren't, didn't have deep enough pockets to, to go all around the planet to get all of the works that we wanted for the show because his, his career has been international from Africa, Europe, all through North America. So what we tried to do is to pick the best works from each of the major series that we could kind of see throughout those decades and try to find examples of those in Aotearoa that represented the kind of main areas of his practice. Sandy, it's going to be extraordinary for you, surely, when you come here and you are face-to-face with these works that you may not have seen for decades yourself. It's going to be amazing, hey? I'm beginning to realise, you know, what the extent of the work that uh, Ruben actually did. I said a retrospective, I said, oh, okay. But I didn't realise how much of um, what Ruben has put together and Partaka has, you know, done to support the idea of this exhibition. That, um, yeah, I am actually looking forward to seeing those works again. I always say to our students, the work that they do, and they're putting them out, I said, as soon as you put it out in 
into the public view. Just remember, when you come back years later, don't look at that work and cringe. You know, and I keep thinking, I hope I don't cringe. But I always said that at least if you can say that was the best you could do at that particular period, you're fine. I said things change and, you know, and you, you get stronger. You have a better idea of construct, of color palette. But at the time, it's the best you can do. So I'm looking forward to seeing some of the early pieces and see how it stacks up with what I'm doing now. With that unbiased eye that you have, Ruben, when you're looking at Sandy's early work and his, I think you've got some new work actually for this exhibition, do you see a strong lineage? You know, did Sandy find his, his voice, his style early, or do you see experimentation and, and change? You see a real strong lineage, and the lineage kind of starts before Sandy even, which is really interesting. You start seeing his influences and where they come from and that's one of the things I'm really excited about with this show is seeing influences in Aotearoa painting that haven't been written up in the same way really understanding where that image came from on a marae that Sandy has taken in the 60s and kind of deconstructed and yeah real early even in the 70s he just kind of really interrogates Call Fi Fi, and just in the center of each of these artworks is just it's like he runs it through a gauntlet of everything that he could possibly do to break the form apart and see how it can operate. And all throughout the kind of 60s and 70s, it's it's actually really exciting seeing all of the experimentations that he did. And then when you look at what he's doing more recently, there's a real mastery of understanding the core kind of principles of Core Fi Fi. They kind of break down to this idea of balance and space and movement. Um, and he's refined it right down now to these kind of core elements. Um, so you really do see this, this lineage of it. Sandy, when you were working on those early works, did you see it as deconstruction? It's quite a powerful word in a way, and it can be seen as a negative, but I think it's looking at something so intently that you're reimagining it. Was that how you were approaching some of the traditional art forms? The thing is that, you know, I was brought up with colouring in books, etc. So I like colour and I like design, I like form. So, you know, lying in a meeting house and, uh, and looking at the painted hecate, and seeing how all the different, you know, carving and a weaving style along with painting had they had to, to come together. And knowing that it was our art, I wanted to, to know more about it. I, I mean, I enjoyed painting, so I was doing that anyway. So I thought the only way I could um, appreciate the simplicity of the traditional patterns and why they were so simplistic alongside the creative uh, styles of carving and the patterns uh, of tukutuku. I wanted to be able, in a way, to control what I was doing because we didn't have the... We had the names of the old heke, but we didn't have the stories about how they evolved into the design forms that they had. We knew they must, through the names, that they must have related to to things, you know, to actual offerings, but there was no nothing there for us. So I thought 
if I can find a way of um, using the images to to do the things that I wanted to do in movement and color, then I could enjoy it more. And um, I was committed to it because I just loved it as an artist. What are the new the new series that you've painted for this exhibition, Sandy? What are you working on now? Or do you think you're still, in a way, interrogating the traditional 60 years on? Yes. When you use the traditional, and over the years I've looked at the format and construct, this time I've gone into a new series, which is Ngātai. It's about colour. And I wanted the colour to have its own message before the form, you know, like the shape of a kōru design. I wanted to see how I could uh, have an interpretation to the colours that have a spiritual meaning to us. And yet it's it's always in a, uh, like there's a balance of tapu noa that in the division of the spaces, they the colours then fit it into those spaces. What I'm looking at is purely the colour and all the interpretations of the colour and how putting them together will read its own story purely with colour. So that's the basic Gordu uh, forms that I've, uh, one of the ones I've used. It's really, really basic, but it divides the spaces and it holds the colour. And so my focus now is on the, the spiritual nature of the colour. Ruben, you've described Sandy as our best-kept secret, and I'd have to agree with you there. I mean, revered and respected and loved, but so humble. So for Ruben, what, what are you hoping from from this exhibition? You know, you, we're, we're talking about it now. I know you've written about it also. What are you hoping will, will come from it? Picking up on that, that humble idea, one of the things that we want from this, that I want from as, a, as an art historian and as a curator, is to actually look at some of those reasons why Sandy's work hasn't received the same level of uh, profile and investigation that some similar artists or artists working in similar types of practice around the same time have received more uh, profile. And one of the things I've realised as I've gone back through the literature, rereading a lot of the old publications, is that so much of the conversation in New Zealand art history has focused on the relationship between kind of European New Zealand Kiwi and establishing an identity in relation to Aotearoa, to New Zealand, um, through the land and through the connections to Māori. And so even when you look back at, like, for example, the Headlands exhibition from 92 that went to um, the Museum Contemporary in Sydney, Sandy's in it, and he's mentioned in it, but the text so heavily focuses on people such as Colin McCann and his relationships to Te Reo Māori um, and connections to the land that way. And then we have long passages of text around um, people like Teo Schoon and then Gordon Walters also working in Ko Fai Fai and painting and looking at Māori ideas, but also, but focusing on from a kind of a Western perspective of, of where it fits in and where that kind of that element of Kiwi culture fits in. Because I think possibly also because identity politics were so uh, heavy in New Zealand art in that kind of the 90s period 
that there wasn't space to just actually look at the art histories that a lot of the Māori artists were working in. Um, so with the publication that's coming out with the exhibition, which will be uh, launching it to Papa in September, I've intentionally focused on writing about Sandy's art and not writing about the politics around it at that time because I feel like that's been done. It's been written by so many other people. This is an opportunity to actually look at the art histories that Sandy's engaging with and then look at how that's flowed through. Even if you look at Te Papa, that's which is the reason why we're launching it there, the uh, Rungu Marairo, the, the marae in the sky on level four, the giant wall panels um, that Sandy designed, um, and Cliff Whitting did the central stage area. There are a whole bunch of influences from not just Sandy, but also from Raupunga and from the East Coast that have flowed through that are very New Zealand art history that I don't think have been acknowledged or understood or uh, presented in this way. So with the exhibition, we've taken elements out of the essay from the publication and presented it alongside the artwork so people can get a sense of some of the histories. Sandy, I, I did want to touch while I have you here on the fact that you are you have been such a generous teacher of art. So while creating your own art, you have worked with so many, must be hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of young artists. And what has that meant to you, to work alongside these young people? Because I ended up being an art advisor and then at a polytech and where I am now in Hastings. And the students are just an extension of your own hapu and your own people around your marae. And so engaging with them and seeing what they're doing, you get so much pleasure from it. I think if I was a full-time artist, I may get bored with myself. But, you know, when you're working with the... With young people, older people who come in and they so enjoy what they're doing, it makes the environment really, you know, a happy, vibrant one. And I and I think it's that and all the, over the years, you know, through the uh, Queen Elizabeth Arts Council at the time and the different organisations that I was lucky to be part of in education, it took us overseas to uh, other, presenting our own exhibitions overseas, which... In, you know, in its own way, own way, I know with the New Zealand High Commission, they like to be able to promote uh, in Kuala Lumpur art imagery because it related to uh, stories from the different cultures. I remember once one of the guys from um, Kuala Lumpur seen, saying that um, they found us, uh, you know, when we had uh, presented work there, that uh, the different embassies would come because they it's just, this may not sound great but they said they were more suspicious of the Pākehā side of, Māori, of uh, Aotearoa than for us as a culture uh, showing our art forms that spoke about the simple things that happened we'll say, within their villages our hapu that uh, identified who we you know, who we are as a people. So all that type of uh, involvement that continued to make me feel good about participating as a Māori and in recent, uh, recently with their exchanges overseas, 
to you know First Nation, Native Americans, the Hawaiians. And the same thing. There is this this way of relating. It's an immediate relating of to people when they speak about seeing their ancestors joining us in the clouds. Just the way that they express, you know, some of the people express themselves. You feel this connection immediately. So all of that allowed me to uh, feel I was living a life that was as a Māori and uh, hopefully and absolutely sharing it with our, our younger generation and knowing that it makes them feel good. And, yeah, and hopefully our images will become more seen in the community. Ruben, as a pupil of Sandy's, one of several, I mean, how, what is the influence he has on artists who are making their name now, would you say? You can name drop. Go crazy. <laughs> it's interesting. Um, after I was, um, I went to Toi Hokura in Gisborne and then Toi Mairangi with uh, Sandy. Um, and then I went to Massey University um, and I noticed a real shift and Massey had a, it is a university, um, but it it had the kind of the hallmarks of a, even though it was a very strongly Māori uh, art school, Te Pūtahi Atoi in Palmerston North, um, run by Bob, Bob Yonke, it was far more focused on entering into um, Western art spaces, so into art galleries, um, and having that kind of dialogue. And the kind of the hallmarks of those types of art institutions are very individualistic and very competitive. Um, and even though they might be engaging in uh, or representing statements about the collective, the artist has to kind of own their image and um, has to kind of have their own voice in terms of that image. Whereas one of the things that I learned when I was with Sandy is that there is, and I'll come back to Te Papa again because that's a good example, the stage there, Sandy designed it, but there were so many students who were able to learn and put their own kind of uh, innovations, but do so within a kind of set parameter, within a a design methodology that's kind of shared by the collective and there is mana in being part of a shared image so there wasn't the same need to try to be this is mine um i'm completely unique in the in the world that that western art has um and i i really i i know what sandy means by that great feeling that you get by being part of a a community like that but also at the same time i understand that we do also need our elite artists working at the other end, you know. Um, so I'll drop some names here now. I haven't spoken to Ruben Patterson about this, but if you're looking at Fi now, you know he's probably one of our most exciting guys out there. Um, same as Ngātai Taipa, obviously. He's um, speaking with us um, on a panel with Kura Tewarurewiri um, on the opening day talks to talk about the new marae that's just opened up here, Te Karamu, up at Massey. And that has amazing core Fi-Fi done by Ngātai, um, Saffron, Te Rātana, Hemi McGregor. I know there's a group of them. Uh, Kura Puke. Um, there's some others. Sorry if I forgot your names. 
Um, but it's, you can see that inspiration has come from this lineage of people like Sandy and Kuretawaruriwiri, who also has um, a kōwhaiwhai kind of based marae up, up in Northland, um, coming through into these new generations. And it's also really interesting to see this kind of merger of the collective way of working, as well as artists who kind of are able to work in a Western art world as well and kind of own their own unique image. Um, and it just, I think there's something really interesting now that we've kind of gone beyond those conversations and artists are able to kind of do both. I love it. Sandy, last word to you. I think you've, you've earned it. Do you, do you love creating art as much as you ever did? Six decades is a, is a long time. And as I say, you teach also. So what you teach is also what you love to do yourself. But is it still exciting you? Does it still thrill you? Does the thought of creating art still excite you? Well, it, it didn't actually excite me more that it drove me to, you know, to engage because I just, I felt it was my identity. Um, I know that you, with Pinny, you know, he's, he, as he said to us that, um, you know, in his day, he was afraid that the language would go. And that we, but our uh, our visual images, our art, can still make statements for ourselves as as Māori. And I I think that knowing that it had the ability to um, to engage with our own feelings or you know political statements, whatever it was, religious statements, that you could still do it within the within the paintings. So I went from stage by stage with using an issue to, uh, to allow me to do a series of works. And as I say, now I'm, uh, you know, this new issue, which is just purely, purely colour, you know, with no form, but it, it is encased with form. I think that's what's made me continue to enjoy engaging because it's always been challenging if it you know we said our students remember i said if it if it happens too easily with me it becomes boring so i'll throw paint at it purely to give me a challenge to do something because i'm not getting enough of of you know of a of a challenge so i think that's and knowing that the challenge for us now is to uh, have, uh, you know, Aotearoa with images that show that uh, the community has accepted that there is a, um, uh, in terms of an art form, an art form that you can appreciate and enjoy uh, so I hope they, you know, they share more with my with Māori artists to enhance communities. Ruben Friend and Dr Sandy Adset Toikoru opens on the 31st of July at Pātaka Art and Museum in Porirua and the full interview is going up on the Standing Room Only webpage.